Hi there, my name is Carrie Conover and I went from classroom teacher to ed tech leader to CEO in five years. I'm here to share the stories and wisdom of teachers who have successfully transitioned from the classroom to the boardroom. Let me help you let go of the guilt, start building your skills and create your own path to a new career outside of the classroom. Welcome to Classroom to Boardroom. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to season two of Classroom to Boardroom. I'm Carrie Conover and today I am here with Katie House, maybe the most fun and energetic person that I worked in ed tech with. I worked with Katie at Discovery Education. As many of you know, my career in ed tech was in customer success. And Katie worked on the customer kind of acquisition sales side of the business. I'll let Katie talk about that more. But we worked together on some very large, huge school districts. We had a lot of fun together. Katie, welcome to Classroom to Boardroom. Thank you. It is such an honor to be here. I'm so proud of all the things that you are doing, Carrie. You were definitely fun to work with and and develop relationships with our customers with as well. So I love cheering you on and watching what you're doing here. And I'm excited to talk a little bit more about the journey. Well, Katie, let's talk about your career. Tell us all about you and how you ended up where you are today. Sure. So I actually started in sports and wanted to be a sportscaster. That was my uh, lifelong. Which I did not know that, by the way. I know. Well, (laughs) it was it was definitely my goal. I would watch SportsCenter all the time and think, God, I could do that. Like we just talk about sports. That sounds like the best job ever. And then I got to college and majored in broadcasting and realized that there's a lot more (laughs) behind the scenes than just showing up and talking about sports like you're with your friends. (laughs) And I started volunteering at an after-school program, and I just fell in love with teaching. And so uh, when I graduated, I moved to California, and I started teaching at a school for children who were severely emotionally disturbed. They had all been removed from their families and lived in group homes and had had really tough lives. So it really changed my life and my perspective on on just everything. And I loved those kids and thought I would be there for a long time, um, despite the terrible and sometimes funny names that they would call me. Um, (laughs) Not you. Yeah. Sometimes I'd be like, uh, that was like actually impressive how you used the same swear word as a noun, verb, adjective, and adverb. (laughs) So I'm not going to mark you down, but I'm going to ask you to not say that again. (laughs) But, you know, I, I was able to show those kids, though, that they mattered and that they were smart. They had somebody that believed in them. And I got to to do that every day and give them just a little bit of hope that I don't think they got. And it wasn't just me. We had great teachers at that school, but I really felt like I was making a difference and chipping away. 
And then after being there a few years, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I actually had to move back to Chicago. And thankfully, she's fine and um, had a, a pretty, you know, rough yet easy road there. And so as I was living back at my childhood house, sleeping in my twin bed, I kind of said, all right, what am I going to do with my life? Like I needed to either go back to school or move back to California or something like that. And just a chance meeting with an old friend. And she was like, well, I work at Encyclopedia Britannica and they're looking for salespeople. You'd be great. I'm like, wait, like going around door to door selling encyclopedias. I'd be terrible at that. You don't oh, no, no, job. no, Katie. You would be phenomenal at that job, actually. You can sell lives, but... You can sell anything. You are like a magnet to people, by the way. I mean, people just love you. I saw it when we were working together. Like, well, the two of us, like on an airplane or in a restaurant, forget about it. Like, yeah, we're taking over the many place. strangers. That's right. <laughs> so... <laughs> Exactly. And well, and I just, I was interested though. I was like, well, what, what, what do you sell? Like the books? And she said, well, actually they're making a shift and they're putting all of their print materials into digital, you know, articles and things like that for, for teachers. And if you've taught, this would be great. Cause you would be able to, you know, know how to speak teachers kind of how they put it. So I was like, sure, why not? And, you know, went from decorating those bulletin boards to like making my cubicle look super cute and cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, hey, this is not so bad. Like, I liked it. I liked feeling, you know, I worked downtown, got on the train. I I missed being in class and like kind of having that like fun during the day kind of feeling. But all in all, I was talking to people that were, doing that. And I felt like I could, you know, connect with them. But I mean, Britannica was, it was definitely like, call you up on the phone, see if you want it, hang up. There wasn't a lot of interaction with with teachers as as I wanted it to be. And then I got an opportunity to work with Smart Technologies and started out as a trainer there, and then moved into the sales side. And that was where my passion really met what I think is are my talents in working with other people. And as I, I said, I started out as a trainer there and they were opening up a role for a salesperson in Chicago. And the vice president was, you know, talking with me earlier in the morning before we had this big presentation. And I said, well, would you consider me for it? And he said, no, you know, I think I think you're in your sweet spot of being a trainer. And I was like, well, I think you're wrong. So I'll prove you wrong somehow. And like everything in ed tech, um, we got up for this big presentation where I was only supposed to be introducing the vice president and the equipment wouldn't work. <laughs> so the equipment we were trying to sell them stopped working. And so we had this like 20 minute, you know, oh no moment where they needed to fix everything and we didn't want to have them just be sitting there and lose interest. So I got up there, started asking questions, talking about what's happening in their classrooms 
all of this stuff. And as the technology finally came on, I introduced the vice president and I was walking off the stage and he grabbed my arm and he said, you'll have an offer letter on your desk by the end of today for that no way, that Katie. you wanted. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, okay. And he said, you know, afterwards we talked about it and he was like, you bet on yourself. You told me that you wanted it. And then you even though I said, no, you didn't let that discourage you from showing me who you were. And I wasn't, I was just trying to make it not be so awkward. (laughs) The technology wasn't working, but, but I knew that, that that was my passion and I wanted to, to get in front of more people and help more people. So, and then it just parlayed and then you have discovery and, you know, ed tech becomes a pretty nomadic place. Sometimes I was at smart for, a little over seven years. And then every other company, you seem to have like a two to four year shelf life, just because if the technology isn't evolving to what the customer needs, you you know, you have to kind of make some changes so that you can stay relevant and give, give your customers um, the solutions that are going to make their lives easier. Well, and it's head tech is actually a really really small place once you're in it right and that's part of the magic actually of classroom to boardroom is at this point I almost know someone at like pretty much every ed tech company like established company and if I don't know someone I know someone that knows someone um exactly. and it's funny because I'll often get people total strangers being like will you you know introduce me to so-and-so or put my name in and I'm always like you know what I need a chance to get to know you because that's my reputation on the line, right? Um, exactly. Um, I'm rec- but it's it is a very very small place, and that's why I cannot stress enough how important it is when you do get that first job is to build those relationships. And Katie, you and I were catching up before we started uh, recording, and we were like, "Oh, have you talked to so and so? Have you heard from so and so?" I mean, <laughs> four years since we worked together. First of all, it feels like it hasn't been four years, but it's it's those relationships are what we remember. Our memories of spending time together are what we remember. And those relationships are really important. Exactly. And I totally agree with you about the relationships. And it's it's the people that you work with. It's the people that you see at these conferences. I mean, it's a very, people use the word incestuous. I like to just think it's a very connected community. And because the common thread is education, which is something that we all want to have be better and we have a passion for, I think it allows for people to not feel competitive, but compelled to to talk to each other and and to build relationships. So I agree with you. I mean, you you could go easily sell like whiskey, Katie. Like you could sell... (laughs) Uh, and I'm not just saying that. Like you I really bought a lot of it in the pandemic, so I do. I do have yep. lots of it now. <laughs> well, and and like that's the thing I think that ties ed tech together is that mission driven mm-hmm. career. And and people ask me all the time about can you make good money in ed tech? Heck yeah, you can make good money. Right. Um, you got to work hard. You got to prove yourself. You got to get in the right role at the right company under the right contract. But yes, you can make great money while you're still doing that mission driven work. Exactly. Because the the way you make good money is by believing in what you sell. 
So if you feel passionate about something, that comes through when you're talking to your customers, when you're moving people from being a customer vendor to a partnership, you know, and that comes through and people want to do business with you. People don't buy products from a company. They buy ideas from people they trust. So that's what you just have to kind of like always remember. And you'll have years where it'll be good or it'll be bad. I mean, it almost sometimes depends on who's president. I never realized that as much, but as you, as you look at, you know, um, even politically where education funding is coming from and, and what's important in the world, then you see that trickle down to, to local education systems and then it can help you. So got to wait. What'd you say? <laughs> I said, I can help you or, or it can hurt you, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting thinking about both of us being teachers. I remember we were, we went to a meeting with a very, very, like one of the largest school districts in the country mm-hmm. that you and I were presenting at together. And we were kind of going in, you as the salesperson, me as the customer success person. And it was an end of the year meeting. My job was to say, Hey, what you are using is working. It's having impact. Here's some cool stories from the ground. And your job was to also say, Hey, it's working. We should stay as partners. Like we were in there as a team. Exactly. And in, I remember we had a heck of a time getting there. Something crazy happened in the city we were in and like all the streets were blocked. So you and I like rushed in there in the nick of time <laughs> and you're trying to set up the projector and like I, or I actually, I was trying to set up the tech. You were talking, doing your thing. And I remember then you're like, I'm going to hand it over to Carrie. And I, and everyone was kind of like on their phones. And then I was like, hi, I'm Carrie Conover and I haven't met a lot of you. I was a teacher for 10 years in Chicago public schools and I had one of the first iPad carts in the nation. And I remember the whole group like looked up at me yep. like, oh, because they had been in meetings for like two days straight for all these mm-hmm. companies. And I always remember that moment being so powerful. And we walked out of that meeting and you had never seen me present. And you were like, Carrie Conover. Like, but it had to do with the fact that I had taught in a big urban district for 10 years. Like I had street cred with them. I it's knew. The street cred, exactly, exactly. Yes. And, and that's important. And that's why when I think about any teacher or somebody in, you know, even education administration, if they want to make a move into ed tech it's we need you um, because that voice of the teacher, that voice of the educator, cannot get lost by, you know, just putting somebody that only has sales skills and that's it. If they don't understand yeah, what goes on in that classroom, specifically the larger urban school districts, it's going to be a hard shift for me to trust you into telling me what I need. And a lot of times companies will pair up a former teacher with someone who's maybe only been in sales. Like I can think of many times where that happened. And I even think about like Katie Bradigan, who we worked with at Discovery. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she was a killer salesperson and 
she made a great pair with me because I had that education background. So I guess I'm bringing that up because I get a lot of people who say, well, the company's not going to hire me. I don't have sales experience. No, they'll onboard you if you have the passion for it. Exactly. And that's where you start by building those relationships with the resources that you're currently using. If if you have a training and somebody comes into your school and gives you professional development or, you know, you go the extra mile and you become like a, a Google distinguished educator, Apple distinguished educator, or, you know, any of those things, get involved with the local representative that you have and make your name be, you know, as a rising star, because then that's, those are the people that we are trying to sell to and to help. And so having a person like that on board is critical to success. So, and to understand. So how did you kind of realize after you did the Britannica, Britannica thing, you did the smart technology, when did you realize like, okay, this is the path I want to go down um, instead of teaching? Yep. So it was actually a letter that I received from a parent when I was working at Smart Technologies. So I received a letter from a woman whose child was a student with autism and had used a smart board for the first time. And she started off the letter by saying it usually took about three hours for her son to decompress after school before he could even say a single word to her. And the first day that he used the smart board, he came running through the door and he, she said he couldn't get the words out fast enough about how excited he was and how he could finally show his class what was in his head. And she said, I didn't recognize my son and all of the therapy and books and all of the things that she had been doing for 10 years never got her son to open up to her the way that that smart board did in his classroom. Wow. And that was so powerful for me. I mean, I get a little choked up even thinking about it now. And that's when I knew that I had the power to work with companies, give my ideas to them based on what I was hearing and seeing um, from my customer, but also teach them or give them something that then they would go and spread with their students who would spread it in another classroom. So it made me see that my reach could be a lot wider doing it this way than by having my classroom that that I was teaching and inspiring that way. So that helped me solidify that the decision that I made to leave the classroom and go into, for me, a sales role was as important, if not more, than had I stayed in the classroom. You know, um, thinking back to what you were talking about, how you kind of were introduced into this career, it was from a friend who referred you. And this thing from from me, like my first job from the classroom to eSpark was a former teacher I had worked with at my school, worked there and referred me to the job. And I mean- my work during the time, like that, my previous work spoke for itself and my previous relationship building helped me there. So I just want to reemphasize, like work on those relationships with the people you have around you right now, because you just never know how they're going to come back to you. Exactly. And I will say, so since I've worked in ed tech, I've worked for about five or six companies in my career. I have never applied 
to a single job. Every job I have gotten has because has been because a friend or an old coworker went to work there and then they brought me on or an old leader brought me on, something like that. So, I mean, you and I worked at a couple of companies together. I have a friend, Rachel, who I think you did a podcast with and yes. she worked at four companies together. It just, it if you know talent and you know who you want to work with and who will be helpful, people will bring you places. And I think that that's important. And I, I, that's when we talked about it a little bit earlier of, of why, you know, the world of education is so small. I love that because even if I'm not looking for a job, I love to hear what opportunities are out there and then think about how I can pay it back to somebody who has paid it forward to me and maybe let them have a chance. I think too, Katie, wouldn't you say for, there's a lot of teachers looking for jobs at ed tech companies right now and the competition is tight. Mm -hmm. I would say like, I often give the advice of, okay, maybe you have to take a 5,000 or $10,000 pay cut right now to get yes. your foot in the door. Yep. Do it. Work Absolutely. there for a year, kick butt. And then I know other doors are going to open up for you, but you got to just get your foot in the door and work hard that first year. Exactly. You have to. And that was kind of what Britannica was for me. I mean, it, it wasn't my dream job and I knew that, but I had to start somewhere. And especially if, if somebody gives you a referral, take it and take that pay cut if you need to. I know I think in the next few years, we're going to see an influx of teachers who are looking to leave the classroom because the pandemic was just so hard. And now that we can do things differently and there's going to be a lot of other issues, I just, I, I see that we may have some more teacher attrition. So yep, if it's something sure. that you were already thinking of, um, now is the time to really start making those connections with people and try to see, put some feelers out there before it becomes a little bit crowded. Yeah. And I, and Katie, thank you for that plug for classroom to boardroom without even knowing you were doing it. <laughs> but honestly, that's, that's, why I, that's why I built classroom to boardroom. Exactly. And I made it super affordable. Um, starting actually this next month, you can buy the whole course at once. Like if a teacher wants to in May and early summer or over the summer, like do a crash dive into the course, they can get every single module, every single interview, every single masterclass, all of that at once. Or teachers can take their time and just pay $49 a month, super affordable. I do a once a month live meetup with me where people can get resume feedback, ask me all the questions. And I built it because... I just frankly didn't have the time to help the amount of teachers that were coming to me saying, how did you do this? I want to make the transition. Yeah. And, and that's so important. And that's amazing that, that you have built that resource for people because that's what's needed to make that step from a classroom to a boardroom. You can't just do it unless you know somebody or you have the resources like you just outlined. I mean, that's fantastic. So well, and people need that. to know. I had one teacher who got a job and, and she was like, listen, like, thankfully to you, like I knew what a book of business was. I knew what a pipeline was. I knew all of these things about customer support. Just even just getting that lingo could be the difference between getting a second interview and, and not. So mm -hmm. 
whether you do that through classroom to boardroom or someone else, get there and do that research. Right. And then never underestimate the opportunity of a no. Don't let a closed door or somebody telling you you're not right for the job mean that that connection is lost. You never know when they may need you and stuff like that. I wanted to ask you, what do you think has been, like looking back in your career so far, like how have you grown or changed the most professionally, do you think? Yeah, so I think I have thought about how I want my customers to think of me and what my view of what is important to my customers as well. So I've had the, I've been blessed with a lot of great leaders in my career and I've learned a lot and I've grown a lot. I've learned to not sweat the small stuff, all those things that, you know, are are kind of life lessons. I think you learn when you make a shift like this and, and you go from, you know, worrying if, your principal is going to drop in on your class when you're accidentally doing an audiovisual Friday because you're a little tired from the week, or um, if somebody's going to call you out for your pipeline not being up to date. So I've learned perspective on that, but my current CEO right now does a lot of information for us around trying to really think about the people we're trying to help. And if you're focused on that, then everything else will fall into place. And something that she says all the time is talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And so I, I really feel that. And I feel like education is a place where a lot of opportunity gaps exist. And so plugging in those gaps, however I can, is is really important. So I do that by working a lot smarter, maybe not harder. I don't have to be, you know, not seeing my kids and working 15 hours a day, but I can build those relationships with empathy. And and the pandemic taught me that a lot too because I thought I needed to constantly be emailing and reaching out to my customers because if they didn't hear from me, they were going to lose interest. And I realized I needed to just Make sure they were doing okay and see how I can help. How can I help is the most underrated question you can ask somebody in education. And when I started valuing their time a little bit more, you know, I couldn't travel. Obviously, this past year, I miss seeing my customers. I miss taking them to lunch or dinner and and just getting to know them that way. So I started sending $10 virtual Starbucks cards and we would have coffee talk. <laughs> and we would That's awesome. talk about nothing, that. but, um, you know, just keeping your customer top of mind, but like remembering that they're a person, not, not a item on a spreadsheet. Speaking of that, let's talk about working in sales. <laughs> yeah. I actually think a lot of teachers are very scared of sales. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can kind of tie in this. So first of all, kind of telling me, you know, what your favorite part of working in sales is, and then also talking a little bit about how that's looked different, maybe at different types of companies. So I know you've worked at startups and you've worked at very large companies. So if you could kind of intertwine this answer into one, Katie. Sure. So my favorite part of working in sales is definitely building relationships and problem solving. And as a teacher, that is something that is second nature to you. You do not have to think about that. You are constantly building relationships and problem solving for every student in your classroom because just like my customers, they all have different needs. And so 
when you love what you're doing, you don't have to sell anything. You just have to listen. And so having those soft skills like empathy and feeling like you really want to be a team player, collaborate both internally in your organization so that you're building what's right for your customer and then collaborating with your customer so that they can help explain this to their boss or their decision maker as well. So those are kind of like skills that I think all teachers have, they know how to do. I mean, tell me a teacher that's not empathetic and I'd be interested to meet them because they sound like a unicorn. Like I I don't think they exist. So I think that is something that carrying that over is a skill that's really important. And then, you know, you have the scary skills that you need to have. Uh, Salesforce is a four-letter word in my household someday. (laughs) I don't love it so much, but I need to have a way to track my success. So just like maybe looking at a map score for a teacher gives them anxiety, sometimes Salesforce, spreadsheets, Google Docs, all those things are not my favorite thing, but they help me be effective and efficient. So I have to do that. And then I also really wish I would have paid attention better in fifth grade math and learn percentages because I have a hard time when someone's like, just make it 3% off. I'm like, okay. (laughs) You know, I just saw a really good TikTok on how to do percentages from a teacher. I'm going to send it to you. Okay. send it to me. I, I recently learned fractions. I had an aha moment when I realized a quarter pounder was bigger than, um, than, a, than the small cheeseburger. And I was like, Oh, right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I, I should tell you that my current company, I work for is a math company. So hopefully my boss won't listen to this and fire me or put me in some. <laughs> Um, See, okay, you can have passion without knowledge. <laughs> exactly. Everybody has their weaknesses. Okay. Exactly. So you're talking to a teacher looking to get, in, get into ed tech. What advice would you give them? Yeah. So I think we kind of touched on it earlier, but really look at all the resources that you love and use daily and start there. So all the passions that you have in the classroom that maybe you don't even think about that help you with your day, use those to open those doors outside of your school. Network with all of the salespeople, the trainers that come into your school, and tell them how much you love using them. Give them any feedback and suggestions they need. Build that relationship with them so that they see you as somebody who is a thought leader that they would need to hire um, for their organization. I love, love, love that. Okay, so before we wrap up here, you and I worked together for a couple of years. We worked and you actually helped me get a contract position after we both left DE. So we've had a lot of fun together, but do you have any favorite memories of us working together? Cause I definitely have some favorite memories of, of you, but do you have one favorite memory of us working together? I have so many. So there's two real quick. So we did like one that's like real work. We did a STEM night at a school in Broward County Schools. And I loved that because it was, we saw a neighborhood that had been transformed because this school principal cared so much. And you and I were able to go in and, I mean, we gave out pizza to all the families. 
we showed them what they were learning in class and we showed them that they can do more than than what they see in this neighborhood that they're in. And I felt like the families got on board and, and we're going to start taking ownership of their learning. So that was like a good one. But then there was another one um, with a certain school district that we had a dinner with the entire cabinet and I was introducing you to everybody and they yes, I just started. Yeah. It was like your third day, I think. And so we fly down and they say, okay, well, we want to play a game with you, Carrie, to initiate you. And I I had known them for some years and I was like, oh God, I don't know where this is going to go. And I kind of looked at Carrie like, sorry in advance because they're kind of fun. And you but, don't know me that well yet. So you really didn't know yet. like how, yeah, how yeah. I was going to handle it. And they were like, okay, we're going to write down all of these positions, put them in a bowl and you have to you know, pick out the, of the name of, of the position and then say who you think is the person that, that does that job. Yes. And this was just like, yeah, it was, it was a, it was an HR nightmare because it was like the vector of bilingual education. And you're like, Oh God, I do. I, I'm not nobody here. That's a fake one, right? Like you didn't want to touch anything that could possibly. Like, do I go, okay. Bilingual. And is it someone who, you know, they probably speak Spanish. I'm guessing yes. they're a native Spanish. Like, you know, but then you don't. And I butchered it. <laughs> Listen, they ate it up that I butchered it, right? Instead of freaking out and like having a breakdown, I was like, I am just going to roll with this. And they're going to just like laugh at me and I'm going to be okay with it. Exactly. And you were such a good sport and they loved you for it. You had instant connections with everybody. And like like I said, I, that was definitely our first time working together, just the two of us. And I knew that from that moment, I was like, she is going to be my partner, oh. mostly in crime, but also <laughs> I feel comfortable going to any school district with her and knowing that like we can get the hard stuff done and then we can also build a relationship and, and be there for our customers. So that was definitely the best. And I tell people that story still to this day, cause it was so great. <laughs> you stole my answer, by the way. I had actually forgot about that dinner where you guys made me do that. But my answer was actually kind of twofold is the one thing I loved about you is like, we could arrive in Miami spend the afternoon like working out and then sitting poolside, having a cocktail, talking about life and then hop into our suits or our dresses and roll into a place like that school. We were in Broward County where we had that amazing STEM event. And I loved that event because that principal and that school leadership was so passionate. And then to see us be able to support him pushing the movement forward of involving families. I mean, we bought pizza and everybody showed up with their little, I mean, there were toddlers running around learning about STEM. So I totally agree with you. Like I loved working with you because on a personal friendship level, it didn't feel like I was working, but we were doing such important work together. Oh, exactly. I feel the same way. I made a lifelong friend in you and I'm so grateful for that. But when you also meet people like like we've talked about, the theme of this is we shared a passion. So I didn't ever worry if 
you were doing more work or I was doing more work. I knew that we had each other's back and we, we were there for the customer. So the work was going to kind of do itself. We just had to, to put in the effort. So, I mean, don't you remember we had to take an Uber <laughs> and go to Publix and buy all that extra soda <laughs> and water. <laughs> we were like in heels and we, it was so hot. We just laughed our way through it. So though. hot. I mean, I think it was like August in in Florida, like a, a time of year nobody should ever have to go. And we were like, "Cool, we'll go to Publix." Oh yeah, that. I mean, but again, you go above and beyond for your customers because you want them to to know how much you care. So, yeah. but yeah, we're well, Katie- I working with you. <laughs> I, well, we and we have plans. We're gonna yes, we're gonna we come do. back this together. Is not the first you'll hear, or the last you'll hear of me. Yes. Well, Katie is the director of national partnerships at Dreambox Learning currently. Katie, where can we find you on LinkedIn? Is that a great way for our listeners if they kind of see what want to watch what you're up to? Is that a good place to find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Katie House on LinkedIn. Um, like Carrie mentioned, work for Dreambox Learning, so I'm there. I guess as the kids say, follow me on Instagram, but it's really just a bunch of cheese boards and selfies. So I don't think it's that great, but. <laughs> well, Katie um, has worked at, she has worked at a lot of really cool companies. So I'm going to wrap this up telling you all the companies that she has worked for. Are you ready? She's worked for Encyclopedia Britannica. She has worked for Smart Technologies. She's worked for Amplify. Yep. Heartland Business Systems, which I do not know. Discovery clever and now Dreambox. So talk about a woman with a lot of really cool experience. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much for being on Classroom to Boardroom. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And Carrie, thanks for all you're doing. You are such a great resource to education and to teachers specifically. And I just, I love cheering on all the hard work you're doing. So it's amazing to see. Thank you so much, Katie. You're welcome. Once again, if you are interested in our podcast, make sure you subscribe so that you get notifications when new podcast episodes are released. So you joining me each week for Classroom to Boardroom, welcome to this new podcast. Until next time, my friends, take care.